0: Welcome to this week's episode of Standout, Growing in the Organizing and Productivity Profession, brought to you by NAPO, the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Every episode, we will learn from NAPO members and subject matter experts as they share their successes, challenges, best practices, proven strategies, industry developments, and more. Please welcome our host, professional organizer, Sarah Karakayan. Welcome to Stand Out, the podcast
1: all about growing in the organizing and productivity industry. My name is Sarah Karakayan, professional organizer and your host. Today, we're going to get down to business, pun intended. If you're listening to this podcast, it's more than likely you're a very productive person and a very organized person. But Perhaps you excel at organizing the physical, or you're most productive with your clients. But when it comes to your business, are you focused? Are you strategic? We're going to talk all about business productivity and organization with one of the best in the industry. And don't worry, I want to tackle discussing multi-person businesses and businesses that have just a party of one. Jamie Tates spent 13 years in a large corporate environment in a variety of leadership roles. She is currently the CEO of Keystone Group International, a firm focused on leadership development. ...and organizational strategy and growth. She has lived and traveled globally and strongly believes that strong leadership is the foundation for healthy and sustainable growth for any business. Jamie uses her leadership experiences to drive real discussions about how we can all drive high performance and healthy cultures into our organizations... Leaders need to be focused on helping their organizations create a positive change mindset to manage the constant change as their business grows and evolves. In addition to running a company, Jamie also leads in her community. She offers her time to various nonprofit causes and has been a board member for several nonprofit organizations. She currently serves on the board for Playworks Minnesota. Jamie also volunteers her time to mentor women who are starting their own businesses through a program at Women Venture. Jamie has built her business on the belief that if you seek to serve and help first, you create stronger and more beneficial relationships in all aspects of life, which can be the greatest contributor to your own success. And she's also got a great podcast called Superpower Success. Jamie, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: We are so excited to get down to business. We often talk about the different aspects of business, whether it's social media or other types of marketing, or we had a discussion about taxes and all those sorts of things. But I really feel like you can help us think holistically from the business standpoint. And as I mentioned in the intro, I really want to tackle today discussing both um, multi-person businesses, but also there's a lot of organizers and productivity specialists who work on their own. And so how they can still be strategic, even though they're kind of like the only one running the show and having that client-business-owner interaction on a day-to-day basis. But before we get started, I know I gave you a little intro, but I'd love to hear more about your story and and how it led you to where you are today.
2: Yeah. So great. I'd love to chat about that. And I look forward to this discussion because this is something that I'm not just in business around, but I'm passionate about. And as I always tell people, my story and my career journey is more of a jungle gym than it is a ladder that might be something that people listening can relate to is that it's not a linear thing, right? It wasn't a straight and narrow. It had some lefts and some rights. So I started my career in large corporate. And and when I say large corporate, I mean the largest privately held company in the world, so 160 billion a year in revenue. You know, every country had offices, so it was very, very big, and it was an amazing experience. And I got, you know, they invested in me, and I got to learn and grow. And this, you read in the the intro, the bio, that I got to live abroad, I got to travel globally quite a bit, and just, you know, I'm very thankful and grateful for that. But there came a point in my corporate journey where I just I started to be less and less fulfilled with that big business approach. And it just kind of felt like I wasn't making the impact. And, and it started to, I started to realize that significance and impact was not just words for me. It was actually something that gave me energy and that really drove me and made me happy. And so I searched for that in a corporate environment and then eventually just realized that that wasn't going to be the place that I was going to get it. And so I made the decision um, to go out on my own. And it was a very scary thing, right? I walked away from a very good paying job and a steady paycheck to do something that was a little risky, but that I knew in the long run was more of a legacy for me and allowed me to have more control what I do. And so six years ago, uh, Keystone Group International was born. It started and it has evolved throughout that. I, it's just been, again, that's just been another jungle gym of just amazing things happening and us changing our mindset and thinking about things differently. And today, there's a team of five of us. And then we've got a number of consultants that work with us as well. But we're, we're a boutique strategy firm. And we really focus on all levels of business owners. So when you talk about you know the, the multi-person business to the solopreneur, right? I started as a solopreneur, so I get it. And we work a ton with solopreneurs. So we actually have programs that take strategy from the, you know, 100 million and I got a really complex change issue going on and, you know, a lot of people issues happening to the solopreneur where we actually have a a coaching program that's specifically for helping them get to the next level. And so our idea and when we talk about kind of the new approach to strategic planning is, is not creating these fancy business plans and a 30 page binder of all these metrics. And, you know, like I want to accomplish this and this and this is we want to boil it down to foundational items that really impact your business. And that's what we're going to get to talk about a little bit today. But, but I've essentially built a business that I'm proud of that has, and the thing I'm probably most proud of is that we have really strong core values. And when I say that, I don't just mean they're words that we talk about, that we actually live them every day. So my test for our team is always that if we can't give an example in the last week of where we've lived this value, even if it's small, then they aren't core, right? We're not doing it often enough. And so that's one thing that we can talk about here. But we've built an amazing business that's impacting a lot of people. And, and that's just much more fulfilling for me going forward. That's amazing. So let's start
1: there. I feel like the core of your business and, and how you live your day-to-day is a great place to start. So what do you mean by core values and living them each and every week and why is that important to an entrepreneur and and a solopreneur?
2: Yeah, and why it's in, why it's important. So again, we work with larger businesses as well and and I always tell, you know, when When we get somebody that's small or that's a solopreneur that's really just starting out and, you know, they really understand what we're talking about, but they're like, are we too small to worry about things like core values and all of that? And the answer that I give them is you can choose to set that foundation now and really understand who you are and what you want your business to be, or we can come in and unweave the spaghetti later. And I want to give you an example of of what I mean by that is that if we don't really as business owners, our core values reflect our business. Our business reflects our core values. Like it's not, when when you're a solopreneur or a really small business owner, your business is you. And so understanding what values really matter. And we have a great exercise that we, we go through. We don't just sit down and say, what are your values? Like there's an exercise we go through where we talk about people that you respect, right? And admire. And if you could have them on your team, like why? And your core values start to come out through that. And what the core values really do is they're a guiding mechanism for you. They become a guiding mechanism on making tough decisions on what to do and what not to do, making your first hire, right? And and what that person, the characteristics of that person, and are they going to help build your business up or will they, will you guys have conflict because they don't hold the same values as you do? So I'll give you an example of our values and just kind of talk through them. So we go beyond in core values, just talking about like words like integrity or teamwork or passion. Those are all important, but they're just words. So when we talk about core values, one of our core values is help first. So I can now give today's podcast recording as an example of help first. What help first really means is we're going to give, 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 and then maybe get, right? We're not going out just trying to get things from people. We're giving, right? I spoke yesterday and I'm speaking tomorrow for free to organizations that they're just like, we just really want to learn more about this. That's giving, right? All day long. And so- For us, we know that that's how we want to build our business. And there might be other companies that are just like us that do what we do that are focused differently than that, right? They're going to market in a different way. And that's perfectly fine. That works for them. What it doesn't work is for me. And so every night I can go home and know that I'm living that value and that I know I can build a successful business within that value. Another one of our values is to drive change. So we have very open and honest discussions with our clients right out of the gate that just say, here's what we do, and here's the impact we have had on for businesses, and here's the impact we can have for you, but you have to want it. If you aren't really in to the mental commitment, the financial commitment, all of the pieces of this, then no harm, no foul. But we don't want to work with you because we are really passionate about driving change. We want to be in that journey with you and make a difference. And so you start to see where their words, but like when I'm talking to a client or even on our website and on our copy that we write in our marketing, you know, our marketing company uses all these words. They use the tone of them to talk about everything that we do. So that's what I feel is really important, especially for a solopreneur that, you know, it feels like we just need to go, go, go. And we need to drive revenue and we need to get a new client and we need to, and oftentimes they don't slow down to say, are we building a solid foundation first or at the same time? It's nothing wrong with going after revenue and trying to build your business, but if you're doing it without a solid foundation of your values and really kind of your personal why and vision for the organization, then it's just going to be harder down the road. You can still build a successful business, but it's just at some point you're going to have to come back to these values and your vision because it's going to make, issues are going to pop up later when you're not when you don't really understand what they are. Yeah, and I
1: want to unpack that a little bit more because you know I've been there where you feel like you hear these things like okay I need my foundational elements first I need to know what my core values are yeah 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 I also have to pay the bills so I'm sure you've seen it done where someone kind of skips that homework and just gets right into finding the client and and getting those billable hours in what can happen when you don't do it like can you give our audience like an example of how your business can hit a pretty big bump in the road to where it's just not worth it, not do the homework first.
2: Yeah, I'll give you a really recent example from a client that is a solopreneur and she had built a decent business, right? Was doing work and was kind of scattered and was feeling like, like I'm doing all this work. I'm not really making as much as I feel like I should be for how much work I'm putting in. And so we started to peel it back. And what she realized is, right, she had kind of five different programs, let's call them, in her business three of them were profitable. Two of them were not. And the two that were not, regardless of the money, she was like, I don't even really like doing those. But when she started her business, totally fair, right? She's like, well, I'll do that. I can, I I have the expertise. I can help with that and with that and with that. That's fine. Because I actually think that process is what helps you identify what you really want to do and what you don't. So if someone just opened their business last week, don't worry about this right now. And I really mean that. Have it in the back of your mind. But if you're six months in, if you're a year in and you're kind of like, why did I do this again? And you have those days where you're looking at job postings and thinking about going back into, you know, a corporate steady paycheck, then that probably is telling you that you're not rooted deep enough in your passion and your why and your values of your business. Because if you are you know, those those voices of like, go somewhere safe again, won't be as strong in your head because you know you're doing the right thing and you're figuring it out. and And I strongly believe that when you put that intention out there, that the universe puts people in your path. And that's what's happened to my business throughout my entire business. A second example that's really recent for one of our clients that we just started working with is the reason she came to us is it was her for a really long time, and then she decided that she needed to hire someone else in her business to help her, and she hired someone who had a ton of experience in her industry and what I would say is like a type A personality, like go-getter, and that was going to help her with sales and you know business development, and she hired that person, and three months later, she had actually lost one of her major clients because of that person, and she started to realize that her brand in the marketplace was being impacted because of that person. And the reason being, not because that person was a horrible person. That person did not match her core values at all. So she hired for production. Like that person can go get results instead of that person holds my core values and long-term will understand why we're making these decisions in the business and can go out to market and produce. So a lot of small business owners, as they start to grow, make bad hiring decisions. And I don't know that you can perfectly quantify it, but she actually believes it's two times the salary that it's cost her in clients and in time for her to then go find another person and onboard and all of that lost cost. So she looks at this as, I'm not gonna do that again. Like, I want to understand myself and my business at a deeper level so that I know the right people that should be on the bus with me, right? That should be along this journey with me.
1: Wow. That's a huge cost to not sit down and and write down. And I I suggest, or I'm guessing that that's something you. Ask your clients to do is to write it down and put it on the wall. Like, how do we make sure the core values, even if it's just us in our office or a home office or our kitchen island, re- to remind ourselves of what those values are? Just write them down, put them on the wall. What are, do you practice them every day? Like, what are ways that we can really drive them home to ourselves?
2: Yeah. And, and we, yeah, we have them go through that exercise. And the other thing with core values and even your why, right. And some of this vision and and purpose stuff that, you know, there's a lot of buzzwords in there, but they really do matter is that they're discovered. So don't feel like you have to have them perfect and you can speak. Like I speak about mine, it's six years, right. That I've been refining them and saying, Oh, this feel, it feels good. I get energy when I talk about our core values. That's how strong they are now. When I first did it, it was like, okay, I think this is what we're really good at and what I want us to be. And then we just continued to validate it every day. And it was like, yep, these are, these are what they are. So what I want everyone to understand is don't worry about getting them perfect. Get them directionally correct and then test them on a daily and weekly basis to make sure they actually stand up. You know, they stand the test. And so what I do, there's a lot of things that you can do. I mean, we have them on the wall in our office because I think it's important. You know, they started as my values, but I really want the team to understand that they're their values as well, right? They're on the team for a reason. But I'm looking at, I'm sitting at my desk right now and I'm looking at a post-it note that has the four values that stuck to my computer screen. It's the only post-it note that's stuck anywhere in my office on something and it reminds me every every morning every after every meeting when i have to look at my computer screen i see them and it doesn't have to be fancy it's just write them down and say am i doing this am i living my values and if i'm not then it's a gut check for me to say i'd better get back into them because i know how it feels when i am right and we all have those moments of where we kind of get off the rails and we need something to ground us back and i strongly believe that those values are what it is and what it also does for me And I don't use this word lightly, is it gives me confidence. But what we see in our coaching clients is that when they have these values and they're getting deeper and deeper and more invested in them, that they can make the tough decisions with confidence because they know that it's aligned to their values. So it can't be wrong. It might be painful right now, or it might be scary right now, but they know that that these values have never done me wrong, right? That if I stay with this, I trust my gut, that I'm gonna be okay right? So a lot of that is also mindset and that positive mindset that it can help us build. So I think it's different for everybody to answer your question is, is what they do. You can put them on your screensaver, right? You can put them in a post-it. You can, I do affirmations and some people may do that and some may not. I listen to them every day. It's, it's 30 seconds on my way to the office, in the car, on the speakers. And I have my core values in there. And so it's just constantly putting them in front of me as my grounding mechanism to make sure that we're doing the right things.
1: You know, you mentioned your two examples and something I also thought about, and I'm sure I think it's the same thing. And I think our our audience will really resonate with this. But if you know your core values and you practice them and you preach them and, and you live them, that will also help you avoid working with clients who just don't work well with you. You know what I mean? Like We've all had those clients where you're like, why is this so hard? Like It's hard for them. It's hard for me. And it might be because there's that disconnect on what you expect with your work and with people that you work with. I mean, how can our listeners drive that home to a potential client? What can we look for? Let's say we we have a decent idea of our core values. We've been in business six months, a year would be more to where we're interviewing that potential client. And a lot of us are like, of course I'm going to work with you. You, You're asking me to do what I do best. And so yes, the answer should always be yes. But I have a hunch that the answer doesn't have to always be yes. And it's actually a good thing to say no sometimes, especially when it doesn't align with our core values. So can you speak a little bit more on that maybe guide our listeners on how to handle those situations?
2: Absolutely. And there's two sides to this that I want to talk about. So the first one is, is, and you mentioned it, but I want to be real. When you're starting your business. I did the same thing. You're gonna take crappy clients. You just are. And you actually, you kind of have a sense they're crappy, but you have to go through that to realize like, okay, I don't want to do that again. <laughs> right? That wasn't fun. And but you have to do that. I don't think you can, you're always gonna get ideal clients. As you build your business and you get more of a client base, you know, I always say that my my radar is a lot higher now on the BS factor. The client will feed me about what the hell they're gonna to commit to this and all of this. And and I can poke at that now better, whereas they kind of were able to bluff me before a little bit. But what I would say, even in the beginning, is what you can do that even if you don't know for sure they're going to be a great client, if you start with telling them, like, here's my values. And again, you don't have to say, here's my values and those exact words, but here's how it's going to be to work with me. Here's what how I work with clients and what's important to me and how my business, you know, runs and whatever those values are. So I'll give you a great example from us. One of our other values, by the end of this talk, you'll know all of ours, is partner in the journey. And when we put those words down and you just say the words, it's like, well, of course, I want to be a partner to my client. We go way deeper than that. So we have tons of examples where someone has tried to hire us for one thing. Like we do leadership training, right? They're like, we just want you to come in and train all our leaders on this for one day. And at the beginning, I would do those things and, and then it would kind of be like, well, but you don't just, they don't become better leaders in one day, right? Like that just, that's like the seminar, you know, you retain about 20% of what you learn. And so we want to like, what if we did this and then we did quarterly check-ins over the next year because I want to drive change, right? Which is my other value. So we actually started to say no to clients that just wanted to hire us to just come in and do one thing for them. And it's not because we didn't need the revenue. I want to be really honest. Like I had to make some really tough decisions, but what I thought was more important was our brand. Because I knew if we came in and just did one training, that there was a risk that they would say, yeah, the training was great, but it didn't really change anything. We still have our leaders kind of, you're right, because one training doesn't change anything. And that's our philosophy. So I now can come in with clients and say, you want to work with us. Again, there's a lot of people that do what we do and you can talk to all of them. But if you want to work with us, we're in a journey with you. And it doesn't mean revenue. We're just trying to get more and more money from you. It means that actually matters to us that we want the impact and we want to be on the team with you and really help you. And so when you talk about that with clients, some of them select out because they're like, "Now we just need this. When I know that's not what they need, but if that's what they feel like they need, I can't change that. And so what it does for you, and that's confidence, right? I can talk about this with confidence now because I've made enough of the wrong decisions to now know that I'm going to stick to my guns on this one, even if it means that we'll take a little less revenue this month. We'll figure it out. And so there's a journey there, right? When you're first starting, again, take the client, but be really open about what your values are in the beginning. And then, you know, when it maybe doesn't go as well, you know why it didn't go as well and then learn from it and move on. So there's really is a journey in there, but I would just say start so that you know yourself and you can just be better at articulating it. And the other side of this that is like an intangible is we use our values, like I said, you know, through our marketing. But I mean, I have my values on a sheet that I give potential prospects. And I, t- I take just a few minutes and talk about our values and they look at you like, wow, like this is really cool. And then usually they're like, Hey, can you come help us do this in our business? It differentiates you immediately by knowing who you are. Instead of just like, yeah, I can do anything for you anytime, you know, like we do this and that and this and that. It, yeah. Everybody's saying that to them, right? Everyone's trying to serve them in 10 different ways. But if you really stick to your guns, I think you create, more confidence, their confidence in you. And I think it will impact your brand positively in the market because you really know who you are and what you stand for.
1: Wow. That's such good advice. And it just reminds me just right now to, I need to remember to during working with clients and even after we wrap up a project to write down the things that I learned as a business owner from that project with that type of client so that I continue to refine who I am as a business owner and what my business, what our brand stands for and making sure that I'm staying in line with those core values. Because sometimes I feel like it can get, you know, there's so much that's going on in your day-to-day and even within a project that I don't want it to get lost because I agree with you. I think all these things are imperative to. You know the health of my business, and I don't want to go back to corporate America. So, and just that check in of uh, that homework of okay, what was this project like, and what did I learn from it? And that was a great reminder.
2: And you know, just another point on that too is you know, and I don't want to get into to mindset, and but so many mentors to me early and coaches that I had early on when I was starting were like, if you stay true to this, just trust and have faith that the right things will come, right, when you need them. And I was like, yeah, 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 I need to pay the bills, right? Like, you you don't believe it. You want to believe it. You do in the back of your mind, you believe it. But what I'll tell you is when you do that, your brand is built in the marketplace at a whole nother level. You can't pay for that. When you do that consistently and you really are open and honest about who you are and how you serve and what's important to you, it will be the absolute foundational element that builds your business. And it's hard to see that when you're first starting, but I just want your listeners to know that I am proof of it. I have 10 other examples of people that I can, you know, tell you about that proof of that. If you stick to your values and you don't just chase things, you know, because you need revenue, that you are building a stronger business in the long run. And I come into so many businesses where they started the business to make money, right? To do something they loved, but they got stuck in the making money. And five years in, they hate their business. They hate it. That's the words they use. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. And it's like, but you started it for a reason. Well, they did, but they lost track of that because they didn't have the foundation that when it got tough to come back to and trust and have confidence in it. And so, You don't don't want to hate your business five years from now. You want to build something that grows and has a legacy and is even more powerful five years from now.
1: You know, it's so because we have listeners, too, who are very seasoned in what they do. And I don't want to forget about them here. And it's kind of like, you know, if that's striking a chord for any of the listeners that, you know, you've been stressed out where it's it's not enjoyable or you've lost sight. It's kind of like go back to those foundational elements that you spoke about. And actually, I want to that's my next question and see. It, where you got lost along the way, right? And do that homework and that soul searching, I guess you could say, so that you can find out why and where you've taken that wrong turn. So Jamie, you mentioned at the beginning too, there's um, a fundamental foundation. So besides the core values, what else would you say we either need to make sure we're building or we're revisiting depending on where we are in our business so that we can have that long-term health in our business?
2: Yeah. And I just to go off that, it's a good point you made is that All of these foundational elements, you build, and then you go back to them on a consistent basis. Even our values. Once a year, we go back to our values and say, are these still the right ones? Right? We go back to our vision, our five-year plan, our 10-year plan, and we say, is this still in the right direction? So one philosophy that I believe very strongly is that a lot of this you have to set, and then you have to come back to it, and don't be afraid to adjust it right? Don't worry about like, if, if I tell you, tell me where you want to be 10 years from now, which seems like a long time from now. And you say, here's what I'd like it to be. And it feels a little scary, which is another one of the foundational items is you have to know where you're going or you're guaranteed to get someplace else, right? If you don't have that. You have to have that North star. And what I always tell people is don't worry about if that North star, if you can hit it dead on, right? If the North Stars pointed West, great, go West and let's put a plan together to start making progress towards it. What I want you to understand is, are we going West or are we going East? A lot of business owners are like, well, I don't know which direction. If you don't know even what direction you want to go, then you're guaranteed to kind of be in the same place, right? It, it creates a swirl in your business. So when we talk about vision, and creating a strategy for your business, it's very intentional to say, what if we did this right? If you could completely control this, what would 10 years look like? Like dream, tell me what it looks like. And it's a little uncomfortable. It's like, oh, I, I can't, I couldn't imagine we could actually be there, but that's where you want to be, right? And then we talk about 10 years. We talk about five years, which isn't that far off. And then we talk about two years and we talk about a year and what we're doing by the end is we're building that vision back to what needs to happen by the end of 2020 to make that 10 year a little bit closer. And once we build that backwards, because we actually start way far out, they actually get to the end of the, the work and go, that 10 year is achievable. Like it was scary when we first started, but I think I can actually get there. Because we've broken it down into pieces that are that can are act- actionable and that we can see the finish line, right? We can't see the ten-year finish line. It's like climbing a mountain, and we need to get to the other side. We know that's the mountain we want to climb, but what we need to do is we need to take the first journey up the foothills, right, and, and get there, and then reevaluate: Is this still the mountain we want to climb? And building in those checkpoints, but for so many solopreneurs and small business owners, they're just doing good work. With no real intention on where they're going. They might have it in their head, but they've never put it down on paper. They've never shared it with anybody else, right? They've never really put the intention out there. And so they don't get the momentum that they could be getting. So one of our coaching clients was having this where she was like, I'm smart. I feel like I've got a good brand in the marketplace, but I am scattered. Like, I feel like I'm doing too many things. And when we backed her through this, we got down to four goals for all of 2020. And she was like, I used to have like 15. I'm like, yeah, but 15 wasn't doing you any good, right? It was just diluting your efforts. What if you could get these four done? She's like, that'd be amazing. So we backed it down. And then we backed it down into what do you have to do right in the next four months to get prepared for that or whatever the time frame is. And what it created, and this is why we talk about the new age of strategic planning is it's, You know, we've overcomplicated a strategy. Like we don't it doesn't need to be this really scary thing, especially for small business owners, is let's just break it down, but let's actually really think about where we want to be in our business. And so that vision or that strategy, one, two, five, and ten years out is all really tied together in what we do and how we work with people is is making sure they understand all of those components because you wanna have the plan, but you also want to have the vision. And it has to be a balance between the two.
1: I couldn't agree more.
2: We are going
1: to take a quick break to hear a word from NAPO.
2: The
0: National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals is proud to offer NAPO University courses in various formats to accommodate different learning styles and further your education when and how you wish. For the entire course catalog, visit napo.net slash education. And to join NAPO, visit napo.net. /join
1: I you said something that I feel like our audience might be asking themselves right now. Let's say someone is driving in their car listening to this and they are a solopreneur but they also hire out some things. So whether it's their I mean something as simple as like their bookkeeping or their marketing strategy or even hiring a business coach, right? Or any other independent contractor. How can we apply all of this to maybe it's not an employee, but it's but it's someone that we're, is still helping us with our business so we can get all of these things done. What are some things they should think about when bringing on these independent contractors that are helping us just keep the day-to-day running and humming along?
2: It's a great question. And actually, that's the next foundational kind of approach that we Amazing. take. <laughs> item. You didn't even know it, but you teed. And so I'll, I'll kind of tie this together for you. First off, Knowing your strategy at that level and being able to hand it to the marketing person, right, that's helping you, is like a gift to them. They're like, okay, great. All right, I'm in this journey. If they're the right people, I'm in this journey with you and I get, I get where you're going and I might have some other ideas for you that if I didn't understand all of this, I'd just be helping you do tactical stuff. So bring those partners, whoever they are, into that strategy with you. But I'll tell you what happens is they then become an accountability partner. Because when you tell someone about that big, hairy, audacious goal that you want to be 10 years from now, you now have people that are going to ask you how it's going and hold your feet to the fire a little bit. So whether that's a business coach or it's your marketing person or your accountant, right, if they're the right people, they're going to be like, I thought you said at the end of the, this year you wanted to be here. Like, you know, how can we help? But are, are you getting there? And as human beings, we need those people around us to ask the questions. The other foundational item that we work with people on is creating what we call an accountability chart. And what this really means is even if you're a solopreneur, it's super powerful. We make them sit down and we talk about all of the functions, all of the things that have to happen for your business to actually be a business. So you do not exist as a business if you do not have a sales or marketing function, meaning someone's doing sales and marketing. If you do not have an operations function, meaning how do you produce your product or your service? You have to know how you do that. And you have to have a finance function in your business. You have to be able to collect money appropriately and pay bills appropriately and manage the finances for your business. So at a fundamental level, those three things have to exist. Now, that can be broken down in a lot of different ways depending on what your business is. But we make them actually go through an accountability chart which breaks all of those functions down. And then as a solopreneur, I might be, there might be seven boxes and I'm sitting in all seven right now. That's perfectly fine. Again, it's where you're at. But what we challenge is which is the first one that you should outsource or hire for when the time is right? oh, it's for sure that marketing bucket. I don't really even know what I'm doing. Right now I have to do it because it's just me, but that's the first one that I wanna outsource. Great, confidence. You immediately know what that box is and what you would wanna hire someone to do, right? Because you know everything you're doing and there's probably stuff you're not doing, but getting that clarity of all of these pieces have to exist and don't be afraid if you're in all of them, it's not a big deal right now. But having that clarity of saying, why am I doing marketing? So the first thing I outsourced in my business six years ago was all of my accounting. I was doing invoicing and trying to reconcile my books and tax crap. And I got to a point where I was like, right, my, when I first started, like my billable rate was like seven times what I could pay an accountant, right, an outsourced bookkeeper to do the work for. Why am I doing that? So when you lay it out differently, because, because again, you're wearing all these hats, but you're wearing a lot of different hats. When you lay it out and look at it, kind of look at your business from 5,000 feet and go, yeah, that's not scalable. If I keep doing this, at some point I have to take a risk and go pay somebody $35, $25, $35 an hour to do my accounting. And it feels a little scary. But all that time I'm spending doing that is time I'm not spending in something I actually like which is what grows my business. And so by by laying their business out that way and really thinking about the functions and the accountabilities and what has to happen in their business, it allows them clarity and brings them this clarity to know where they should be spending more time and where they should have other people spend the time. It's so good. Before I know you know, our conversations coming to an end, but before
1: we do, um, and I go to my last, last question, you mentioned something in, you know, our conversations before the podcast about the intersect between strategy and culture.
2: And I don't know what you mean by that. And I'm so curious. Yeah. I'll just quickly talk about that. And again, this is sometimes larger businesses where you have employees, right? Because when you add employees, there's a different level of complexity. your business because you've got personalities and and all of these different pieces and you create a culture. When other people are in the mix with you, even if they're outsourced, there's a culture to your business. And so we do a lot of work with larger businesses, small to mid-sized businesses, on um, really understanding the workforce dynamics and how they're changing. So we all hear about the generational differences and changes. Millennials are going to be 75% of the workforce by twenty twenty-five. And most businesses are not actually structured in a way to attract millennials, either as clients or as employees. And so we talk about this intersection of strategy and culture because in the past, if I was a successful business, I just needed a good strategy to grow. And then, oh yeah, culture, I should probably think about that as well. But the dynamics of the workforce, and I mean, Deloitte, like there's so many studies now on this that... Your strategy really doesn't matter if you don't have a culture of high performance that can actually execute on it. And so we've created a model that really brings strategy and culture together and helps you identify what those areas of your culture that might be lacking. And because for many people, when I say the word culture, everybody goes, of course we should care about our culture, but nobody knows how to impact it, right? We just know it's a thing. And it feels a certain way. And so what we've done is we've created um, a model that has factors within it that all impact your culture that you can actually do something about. So, for example, we have a large manufacturing company. And by large, I mean they've got 80 to 100 employees. And when we come in, we go through these factors and we give them a heat map to say, you're really good in these areas. But these areas are probably detracting from your culture, and that's some of what you're feeling. And they now have a strategic plan around how they improve their culture, which ultimately helps them achieve their strategic goals, if that makes sense. So we're driving a very different dialogue on how strategy and culture are now one and the same, because it can't be one or the other. It ha- you have to incorporate culture and the things you're doing with culture to actually achieve the results in your strategy. So that's kind of the cliff notes version of it. We have an awesome downloadable on our website if anybody wants it that just kind of talks through that intersect and shows the model and the process and even has questions to create a dialogue with your team even if you're small on like what is our culture and what how would we rate ourselves in these different areas. So that's a great resource if people want more info. I want to take it way back just for like you know
1: 60 seconds. Can you explain to our listeners who might even just be putting their toe in the water of starting their own business they're still working elsewhere how would you define culture like what does that mean fundamentally for like someone who's never even started a business before they have no idea
2: yeah so culture is really how you do what you do in your business so if you think about it it's how you serve your clients it's how you serve your employees and it's a very nebulous it's a feeling It's really a feeling of how positive and how high performance your organization is. So when you're a culture of one, right, it's you. And as you add employees, you know, they have different perceptions. They have different experience. They have different things. And your culture automatically shifts. And that's what a lot of people don't understand is as you grow, you can't control your culture. Once you have employees, you can positively impact it because your culture is actually your employees. It's actually the people in your business once you start to grow. And so that's really, even early on, understanding that is that you're going to be able to tangibly feel when something feels like it's off. Your customers, they've now done studies that customers can feel your culture based on their interaction with your employees. And again, it comes down to values and they're all very tied together. I could literally go on about this for three hours and nobody wants to listen. I to could that, listen for, I don't know. I could listen for three hours. <laughs> and I, if anybody wants to talk about this, I really mean it. I'll give you my contact information and I can, I can kind of help them think through this. The other thing about culture that I'll say is, is it's different for every business and that's okay. But you know, you can read a book and you can do this or that. It's, there's no one size fits all approach. It's understanding yourself, understanding the goals of your business, and then helping to create a culture that aligns to that, which seems simple, but it's not because it's very hard to control because it's based on people. So... And correct me if I'm wrong, but we were
1: talking earlier about our core values, and when you hire the marketing person to help you, you tell them what their core, your core values are, but even you you share with them like the words that you use in your language every day and how you address people in the emails that go out. I mean that kind of all defines culture too, correct?
2: Correct. That's all part of you. We call it the voice, right? It's the voice of your business. I always say with core values and and even your culture, it's what people say about you when you're not in the room. Right right? It's what you ooze without even having to work at it.
1: Right. You know, I'll give my listeners, and and correct me if I'm wrong, Jamie, like a little example of culture, because I just did my first employee hire recently. And I actually said, thank you, thank you. And I sat down with them and, you know, I went back and I looked at all the blog posts I wrote and you know on Instagram the things that I write and, and the language that I use and I noticed I use some very like fun words that not everyone uses in their day to day, but I, I wrote them all down in a long list and I shared them with my employees. So when you write emails, I like to start out with, you know, a compliment or asking how the person's doing. Then we get into like why we're conversing with them and be sure you were you use, I mean, I literally say like I'm an exclamation point type person. I just am. And I want my, the people that I work with to also understand that I'm not being rude when I use them. I'm, being, I'm excited. And so I, I want the people who are working with me to also use exclamation points in our emails. I mean, it's that simple too, right? It's that basic of how I would like our communications to go out.
2: Is that, is that also what you're speaking about? Absolutely. And I know I'm jumping ahead, but you said one of the post-it notes, right? For the end, know thyself and just and own it. Just do you. For the example you're giving, I promise you, your business will be stronger and more successful if you stay true to who you are. And, and this isn't an inspiration fluffy thing. It's exactly the example you gave our new marketing company. We did a rebranding about a year and a half ago and a great marketing company took us through this process, right. With the words and like, and they wrote up the copy and they called me and said, I just, you know, before you read the copy, I just want you to know, like it's, it's strong, right. I mean, there's some things that might deter Some clients from working with you because it's it's really strong language, positive but strong language. And I'm like, awesome. And they're like, what? I'm like, great. That's what I want. And they're like, we've never worked with any. What do you mean? Like you want to deter people when they read your website? I'm like, exactly. Because again, not because I don't want to help people, but I want people to know who we are, and I have no apologies for who we are. Because the moment I start apologizing for it and try to shift the way everybody else is talking and what everybody else does, then I'm in the exact same red ocean with everybody else. I want to say it differently. And all of our models since then have been kind of progressive and a little bit uncomfortable. Like people are like, oh, this is different. I've never heard this before. That's the biggest compliment to me ever. Because if you've heard this before from 10 other people, it's just noise at some point. So just do you and, and be confident that that you can build a business that way. If you are joining us in this podcast
1: episode and you've never listened to an episode before, I'm gonna I'm gonna explain what Jamie mentioned before we got on, before we started recording, I said to Jamie at the end of every episode, I'd like our experts to leave us with two sticky notes. So I don't know about you, and Jamie mentioned it too. She just has one, but a lot of us have sticky notes to keep us on board and on track and remind us of things. And I asked her to leave us with two sticky notes that are high impact. So you can do this today or maybe this week to make a change in your business. So I love your first one, Jamie, of you do you. And just make sure that the things that are going out of your, in, in your office, on, on your kitchen island, wherever it is that you work and you do your thing, it's all reflection of you. What's one more, Jamie, that you would leave our audience with today?
2: Well, the other one I would do is around is core values, but I feel like we've drained that one. But it's just know who you are and what you want your business to be at a much deeper level. So that's one. And then the other one is is it's gonna sound simple, but like know where you're going. Actually know where you're going and tell people about it. Do not be afraid to say that this is a big goal that I want to achieve. I'm going to be super vulnerable right now. And I'm going to tell you that I haven't ever shared this. I haven't even shared this outside my team and my husband, but my big audacious goal is a book that I've had in my, on my heart for a very long time. And to be on the today show 10 years from now, it sounds ridiculous even saying it out loud, but I'm like, hell, why can't I? Like everybody, other people can, like, why can't I? And I want with client, when we work with clients, like that's the fire. I want to light in them. And I believe that you need that in order to keep going. Listen, entrepreneurship is not easy. Otherwise everybody would be doing it. So those of you who are thinking about it, just be, just know it's not easy. Go in eyes wide open, but I'll tell you, it's the most fulfilling part about my entire life is being able to do this. And so that's what I think that vision, the core values, all of these pieces that we've talked about today give you, is they give you that foundation that is unwavering when you have a tough day.
1: I'll tell you what, Jamie, if I were to hire a business strategist, I absolutely want them to have a goal of being on the Today Show. So I love that you (laughs) shared that with us because that's the kind of person I want helping to lead me in my business. So I
2: love that you shared that. Where can our listeners find more about you and stay connected with you? If you want more of this, again, I, I do this kind of talking like this every week. The Superpower Success Podcast is the free and easy way. I bring business leaders on, some entrepreneurs, some corporate to just share their journeys because I strongly believe that we all have different journeys and we can learn and also feel better about ours when we know that everyone else, it wasn't an overnight success, right? It was the 10 year journey to be an overnight success. And so that's just a great podcast if people want that kind of lift up and, and those things that are getting them stuck. Our website, Keystone Group, I-N-T-L. So it's short for international. So keystonegroupintl.com. A ton of information out there. I would love to connect with anybody who's listening on LinkedIn. Just shoot me a note and let me know that you heard it on this podcast. More than willing to have a call and talk to somebody if they're dealing with my help first value is strong, right? So I want to help people get to the next level, whatever that looks like for them. So Jamie Adam Tates, so it's J-A-I-M-E, Adam, and then Tates is T-A-E-T-S, so kind of weird spellings on that. But if they want to connect with me that way, I would absolutely love to help them. And we share a lot of information on LinkedIn and Facebook and other places too, which might just be great information for them as they're, as they're along this entrepreneurship journey.
1: Amazing. I really appreciate your time today, Jamie. Listeners, how about you? What can you do today and this week to make a change in your business for the better? I mean, the title of this podcast is Stand Out. We want to stand out. And the way to do that is just to be you. So are you going to reassess those emails that went out and maybe see, make sure that you're pouring yourself into them and you're not putting on any sort of front that isn't true to who you are and where you want your business to go? And where is your business going? I know I have some work to do in that regard. Where do I want to be a year, three years, five years, ten years from now? So, Jamie, thank you so much for your time. I'm Sarah and That wraps up this episode of Standout. Thank you for being here with me. And as always, you're learning along with me. If you like this podcast, if you're able to walk away with nuggets of inspiration or something valuable, please go ahead and leave us that review and hit the subscribe button. We want to reach as many organizing and productivity professionals as possible. So in addition to subscribing, would you please share this in every episode with your colleagues, your team, or whoever else might benefit. I look forward to hanging out with you next time. I'll talk to you then.
0: That's all for today's episode of Standout brought to you by NAPO the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Be sure to visit napo.net to join, learn more about our educational offerings, local chapters, and more.